Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. Before we talk about hockey on and off the ice, I say hello, Craig. How was your weekend? Did you go skiing yet? No, but we got a lot of snow here in Alberta. The mountains are starting to get. The Nordic Center at Canmore, where we cross-country ski, they open. They open. We've got snow making and everything. So uh, November 1st, it's right around the corner. Uh, had a big pickleball tournament on Saturday afternoon. 32 people. Didn't win. But uh, the good news is we all have to play in our costumes. You want to know who I was? Uh, the Grim Reaper. No, no, I would never be the Grim Reaper. I was the mayor of Whoville, Dr. Seuss. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was the mayor of Whoville. <laughs> That's what I decided to be. And uh, we, had a, we had a great time. And I, 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 I was not injured. I didn't fall. I didn't sprain an ankle. I didn't uh, cut my face. It was all good. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, Sunday, you know, uh, just a nice uh, little off day watching NFL. I love that. And my Patriots won. So they went into L.A. and beat the Chargers. So it, it was a good weekend. How about you, Mr. Coolius? It was good as well. You're a Patriots fan. I guess you uh, started becoming a fan in uh, 20 years ago. Uh, anyway, um, I go to 1995 to be exact. Okay, well, right before it got really, really good. If you said 75 when they voted to not change the uniforms, I would say, oh, that's that's interesting. So uh, I became an Eagles fan. The first game I ever saw, they took on the Atlanta Falcons uh, before, remember, Tony Franklin, the barefooted left-handed kicker. They lost a game to Atlanta, and I felt sorry for the Eagles. So then I got in on Dick Vermeil and Ron Jaworski, and, and they lost to Oakland in the 81 Super Bowl. But that's when I was a bigger sports fan. Now I'm one-dimensional, Craig. I'm hockey or bust. <laughs> <laughs> well, your Eagles won yesterday. They they, they won big. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can call that an NFL game when they're beating the Detroit Lions because the Detroit Lions look like uh, you know the bad news bears of football. That's what they look like. <laughs> yeah, I think for most of my life, the Detroit Lions have been the bad news bears. I think in '93 <laughs> they had a couple good days. <laughs> But other than that, but they keep building the brand new stadiums. Anyway, um, I read something the other day. How about this? Like, no, honestly, you think about things that are like, that strike you. So in the, in the, I think it's the last 57 years, I think 62, they've won one playoff game since 1962. One, they, it's not one championship. They've won one playoff game. One playoff game. It's almost 60 years. Uh, Whoa, you talk about futility. I guess we're going to have a little talk about futility in the NHL today too, but uh, back at you. Yeah, well, I think the Lions' success or lack thereof makes the Maple Leafs look like uh, Man U, um, but that's uh, something we'll segue into a, a little bit later. In the serious stuff, I mentioned your weekend. We had an emotional Thursday talking about what everyone's talking about in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now that we've had some time to digest and the fallout and, you know, what's happening or going to happen with the NHLPA, and I, we don't like to speculate, but I'd like to ask you educated questions about realism. So if you're a player and you're a player rep, I guess, is that the next step as people try to absorb everything that happened, the league memo and, you know, what transpired uh, this past week in an emotional week in hockey, Craig? Well, you know, I'll take that in, in, in three different ways. So let's start with the, uh, the NHLPA on this Monday. The 32 uh, player reps are, are having a meeting uh, with with the NHLPA. And the meeting is to discuss Donald Fear's future. 
So as we, as we talk about Cal beach, and again, I've said this time and time again, 20 year old first round draft pick prized first round draft pick, just like the, all the first round draft picks. He did everything right. Going to the PA. And then a year later, while he was still with the Blackhawks, I had his agent phone Donald fear to say, you know what? My assailant is working with USA hockey and working with youngsters. You know, they need to be alerted of the type of person they're employing or that they have around their, their group of uh, athletes. And if the allegations are true that nothing ever happened. Donald Fear's days uh, at the NHLPA are over as they should be. If the allegations are true, you're out. Brendan Gallagher, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, fire plug winger. He said he, he, he failed. He failed. Uh, like I said, if the allegations are true. Donald Fear's done, over, finished, out as he should be. Just like Joel Quenville needed to be done. And just like Stan Bowman had to be over. And, and, that's, a, and, and that's that. You know, one of the things, and you know, and that's it. We'll, we'll wait to see what the news is. But if the allegations are true, it's over. Uh, and again, it's just another example of where Kyle Beach was failed. Kyle Beach was failed at every turn. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, the NHL sent out a memo to all the NHL teams last week and uh, after, you know, with, with, with directives. And, and one of the things that they said was if, if there's anything unlawful, you see, amongst other things, please report it to the commissioner or the deputy commissioner immediately. Well, I can only tell you this. Anything unlawful, you don't report it to the deputy commissioner. You report it to the, uh, to the police officials. You, you report it to the authorities. And one of the things that I have said and, you know, and asked what to do, and it's hard. Like you think about Cal Beach and you think about what he did. You know, the, the, the sense of security to say, hey, this happened to me. And I need to report it. And he did. And he tried to, but it still took him time to over the years as nobody did anything. Any victim of sexual abuse, sexual assault, sexual harassment, tell as many people as you can and tell people outside your organization. You know what organizations have shown? They can't be trusted fully. And until they until they show they can be trusted fully, you better tell people outside. And and I'm talking about individuals and I'm talking about groups. And if that's law enforcement, if there's an unlawful act in this case, in like sexual sexual assault, that's a criminal act. You go right to the police and the authorities. And there's lots of different organizations outside of your present organization. Go and tell them. And that's what organizations have shown. I want to be clear on this. They can't be fully trusted. Organizations now and companies have to show that they can be trusted. And until they do, I tell every single, you go and tell as many people as you can outside your organization. That doesn't mean you don't tell your organization, your organ and outside, period. And number three, what I would say is, you know, I, I, I really thought the Joel Quenville, the Kevin Shovel Day Off, and Jonathan Tay's comments after after uh, the report came out were epic fails, epic fails by all three individuals. And to tell you how disappointing it is, uh, wouldn't even describe, you know, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, people in those positions. And again, th this isn't about Jonathan Tay's a 21 year old captain. This is about Jonathan Tay's with the benefit of hindsight 
and being much older and he's a wise and being much wiser. No, you know what? The comment that Stan treated me well, it wasn't about you and Stan. The Stan didn't treat the, the Cal Beach. And this is what this was all about. Fail. Kevin Chevaldeoff failed in his statement. Be interesting to see what he has to say in his press conference today with the Winnipeg Jets. Joel Quenville failed too. Those statements, if, if, if those are PR statements for people, you better evaluate who your PR people are because that's bad PR. And it, I don't know if it could make things any worse. It just leaves everyone saying, really? And, and uh, we can't change the past, but it just, you can't change how you feel when something hits you again between the eyes, in the stomach, and your heart. And then you could have made it a little bit better, just a little bit better. Instead, in theory, well, not in theory, what was heard kind of makes it worse. That wasn't the time to say anything good about anybody in the Blackhawks organization who was involved. And it wasn't. And I want to hear stories. Should have done more. Could have done more. If I had to do it again, if it was today, wouldn't have happened, would have changed, learned from this, all those types of things that you talked about. And you talked about, we've had private conversations about ringing the bell. I asked you about Graham James and what was going on. And some people kind of knew, but they didn't know. And if, if, you know, why Theron Fleury's car was somewhere it shouldn't have been late at night. And, and I thought we were supposed to learn from that. And, and I guess we didn't. And that was 88, 89 and, and in the eighties. And here we are in 2010 talking about what happened 11 years ago into now. So you, all we can do is hope to a certain extent, and you talking about ringing the bell and third-party organizations about saying, telling my family, telling my parents, telling the organization, telling the police, telling third party, telling victims groups. So there's when when somebody tries to keep it in and the phone rings, this is third party. We heard about allegations. Uh, what are you doing about them? Uh, we're on it. Hello? This is Officer O'Hara. Yeah? Yeah. We need to talk. Oh, so if anybody was thinking about a cover-up or downplaying, now they've got the third party, they've got the parents, they've got a whole bunch of people that are ringing the bell. And it's, as you said, it's easier to say it in hindsight or after the fact. People need to be comfortable in the moment of saying, well, something's going on, but I don't want to lose my job. And, and, and I do understand that part. It's easier to say when someone's set for life or does, they're not involved. So you also brought up a great point last week. Get comfortable talking about the uncomfortable. And sometimes it's a way of just bringing it up over a coffee, over a drink and saying, do you have a second? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard something. It's like to talk about it. Where can we take this? And sometimes that little conversation turns into a 90 minute heart to heart that could say, listen, let's call someone right now. I know someone, I, I have an investigator, I, however it is. So it's, it's just a, we know it's a bad look. We know all those cliches. It's, it's gotta be something that, and, and I, and I'm not just, you know, 
I'm perfect and I'm throwing stones in a glass. And, you know, I'm not saying that we've all done certain things that we want to change in our lives. And, and I like to think most of us have not done anything that's, that's criminal, right? Maybe something's immoral or whatever, but that we all say us as a group together, let's help fix it or at least minimize anything like this from happening again. And I don't know where we're going to go, Craig. Sometimes these things are front and center and then, you know, the calendar turns and we talk about something else. I, I just hope that it's always kind of there in all the things we've talked about lately in sports, right? Not, not just this kind of everything front and center. And I don't know if you're confident or not that it'll be front of mind. Um, I'll ask you if you're confident it'll be front of mind and we will minimize stuff like this in the future. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm, I, I, I don't know if I'm confident. I, I, I can't say I am confident. I'll be straightforward with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch. I'll watch. And I just want to be, all I want to do is be an advocate for people speaking. And, and one of the things that we've learned is, you know, how is bystanders, how is bystanders, you know, we can talk about Kevin Chevel day off and, you know, and, 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 and I think there was a real sense of fairness with commissioner Batman and his ruling on Kevin Chevel day off. And I can understand it. Uh, and, but as bystanders, what can we do better? Like, as John Tortorella said, John Tortorella said, he goes, not one person could have just said, wait a second here, this is wrong, and kicked this guy down the hall. I think he said that, kicked him down the hall. <laughs> like, but I mean, that's where we're at, right? Like, so right now, Steve, I'll, I'll be straightforward with you. I'm not confident. No, I, I can't answer that question. I'm not confident. So we're going to watch and we're going to see what we can happen. The other thing I would say, anybody in sports hockey, you got something? Reach out to Rick Westhead or Katie Strang. That's what I would tell you too. <laughs> they are big time advocates in the investigative journalism side of things. And they have proven beyond a shadow of doubt that they will do everything they can to bring things to light and make sure that those that are, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in a position of vulnerability, that they can have, uh, they can be heard and that, people that are committing acts of sexual abuse, harassment, assault are going to be held to account. They have unequivocally shown they have my confidence. So that's the other thing I would finish with here. Get in contact with them. Wow. Good stuff. Brilliant work. And well said, my friend. Okay. Leadership. We talk about, you mentioned John Tortorella, pretty good leadership behind a bench. I don't know if there's a connection in Florida or not. I saw the interview on ESPN <laughs> and he said, I've not talked to anyone with the Florida Panthers. Bill Zito and him are connected. Rod Brindamore, pretty good leader. Canes are eight. No guy, you know, well, Daryl Sutter six in a row, the flames six, one and one as we speak right now in positions of leadership. Now I work with John Tortorella at Sirius XM for one day. And I asked him if he had talked to John Davidson and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he unequivocally said, no, the next day he wasn't coming into work. He was hired. by (laughs) I don't hold it against him, but he came on the show and we discussed it. He said, how was I as a co-host? I said, you gave me the best three hours of my, of my week. Thank you, John. So those are three storylines because Florida now leads needs leadership behind the bench, or maybe they go with Andrew Burnett. Daryl Sutter, you know very well. I think you, you helped bring Daryl Sutter to the Flames, and that was one of the best I, things. I hired him. Okay, you hired him. There you go. I, I made Daryl what he is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the quote, no, so Daryl goes 
from Calgary eventually to L.A. And Dean Lombardi says Daryl Sutter was the best thing that ever happened to the L.A. Kings. Is it? Am I? Yes, they won two cups. I, yeah. I mean, let me just see. Okay, so Dean's the manager, hires Daryl Sutter, and, and and let me just say this to you as we talk about Daryl, and then we'll, we can talk about John, and we can talk about Rod. So, you know, Daryl, you know, when Daryl hadn't coached for a long period of time when he went over to the, uh, I mean, I, I I believe it was just about see, he had coached in the 0506 season. And then he went in there in, uh, in the fall, November, I believe, or December of 2011. They won the cup in 2012. But I, I can tell you this, and I know this, you know, Dean was the general manager. Dean had worked with Daryl in uh, San Jose. And when he went to make the coaching change, it, w- it was not a, 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 a coaching change uh, that was, wow, this is great. There was a lot of consternation within the LA Kings organization about is this the right person should we be hiring him is this what we need and and dean who's who's as thorough as thorough can be and he really is uh he 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 he'd gone through it he talked about it and basically dean dean knew at that point in time that if 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 this wasn't the right hire that that it could be uh material to his departure he 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 did know that so you know it's another great example of Dean saying, this is what I think is best for the team. Because I think too many managers in all sports operate with their own self-interest first. Oh, if I hire this guy, you know, oh, I got some pushback here. Oh, I could lose my job. Oh, these are, these are coveted jobs, Steve. You, you want these jobs, right? And it's a great example of Dean saying, no, I, I think this is what's best for the organization. And here's why, because he is thorough. Not because too many managers and too many in all the sports operate under their own self-interest and, you know, we'll leave it at that. So they go and win the cup 2012 and, and Dean did his part there too, because keep in mind that he went and traded for Jeff Carter. That was a team that needed some goal scoring. And I remember at the time, I remember at the time when they traded Jack Johnson, I said, are you, how can you trade, uh, like a defenseman, everybody's trying to add defensemen to their rosters at this time. You're trading, and I know they needed a goal scorer, right? But I didn't know was how good Slava Voinov was. They did, <laughs> they did, and that's again internally. There's a lot of criticism from outside. Uh, you know, even if you even if you know the players and you don't know them as well as the teams inside. And that was a great example of it. And Daryl won the cup in 2012, won the cup in 2014. Ironically, they did a goal scoring in 2014 and they got Gabrick. <laughs> like, so Dean did his part too. So, you know, when I watch Daryl now in uh, Calgary, I'm not surprised one bit. I'm not surprised. I watched the way they play. And, you know, I think like any coach, Steve, you, you take over a team midseason, you think you can make it an immediate impact and, and you think you can do it quickly. Unfortunately, and uh, for, for most ca- in most cases, it, it, it's not that easy to do because you're not just taking over. You, you also have to undo uh, what's happened in the years previous to you. And in the case of the Calgary Flames, it was three previous coaches that were average at best, <laughs> at best. Yeah, so, the, runway, the runway was too small last year. It was a weird year. It, it yeah. just... It wasn't going to happen, and I think every coach deserves at least one full year in training camp. And I think one of our preseason storylines was, do we believe in the Flames' core? And I, at best, put a question mark on Lindholm and Kachuk and Goodrow and Monahan and everybody else. And then they went 0-1-1 to start 
Oh, small sample size. Now they've won six in a row and Markstrom's played well. Now, I don't know if I really, really still believe in it, but I know I've always believed in Daryl. So Daryl can't get the core to at least make the playoffs. I mean, they got goaltending. Uh, I don't know how you feel about their defense and th- this group. Steve, that, there's a lot there. I don't know how much I love it, Craig. Okay, so that's fine. That's fine. I, like, there's nothing wrong with having a degree of love or like or anything. They dominated the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday night. Dominated. Flyers got, you know, we can talk about Markstrom all we want. Like, Markstrom played the game in a rocking chair. <laughs> like, the, the Flames dominated the game. They've given up seven goals in six games, Steve. That's domination. That's not standing on your head goaltending, okay? That is playing the game and doing the things. Even the game in Pittsburgh, I, I know there was a shutout there, but the inner slot shots and the slot shots were just about dead even. They, like, you know, the New York Islanders with Barry Trotz are a great example. You can take as many shots as you want outside the dots. We don't, we're defending here. That's what Daryl does. We're gonna, and it makes it easier on his goaltender. Makes it easy. The defend their positional discipline is outstanding. They're quick. They're moving the puck quickly. They're getting to position so they can move the puck quickly. I don't think there's anything accidental about the Calgary Flames. And everybody talks about their core. Like, give me a break. Johnny Goudreau has been a top player in the league. Lindholm is now the number. He's clear cut. Daryl said, "You're my center. You're my number one guy. He plays everywhere." Kachuk. You know, Backlund's fitted nice. Monaghan's returning from, from surgery. He's Daryl's put, he's playing on the power play. He had two points on Saturday night on the power play. So it's not like he's banished Sean Monaghan. He's trying to get him back up to speed. Don't underestimate the impact of Kirk Muller in there as well. Kirk Muller, a uh, top flight two-way centerman. He's going to help the, the group as well too. And you got goaltending, you got defense. It's about... You know what good coaching gets you? It gets you good results. You know what average coaching gets you? It gets you average results. They got a good coach. Well, what's good for the Flames is bad news for maybe not so much Edmonton on the scale, because I think there's a lot to like about the Oilers, and I, I want to give Miko Koskinen some credit after I threw him under the bus for the Philly game, because that game clearly was his worst of the year, uh, but he's also done some good things without Mike Smith out. But if, what's good for the Flames is bad for L.A., the California teams, Seattle, and Vancouver, uh, who's in a bit of a slump right now. On the other side, Freddie Anderson is a notorious slow starter. The month of October is over. In some of his best years with the Leafs, 876 was his October save percentage. In some of his best years. Well, now he's in Dominic Hasek territory. He's 7-0. and The team is 8-0. And I go back to Rod Brindamore, and I go through my notes and think Brindamore. Where are you supposed to retire, become an assistant somewhere, and then go be a head coach in the ECHL or the AHL or major junior and pay your dues? And, like, Rod's different, right? Like, Rod's different. If it's true that at one point as the Canes head coach, he was making $250,000 a year. I know whatever he's getting paid now is still a bargain, but teams that play for the coach and a player's coach. And when he speaks and Rod, the bot is 50, but he looks like he's 35. Every, everyone, I don't want to say everyone. People say, well, the Canes and the goaltending, why they let Nadelkovich go. And, you know, maybe Freddie won't get the job done in the playoffs, but I have just noticed in watching most or not, or parts of all of their games, Craig pace speak. They, they skate. They look like central red army against the Leafs and the Bruins. And at least in Bruins, in theory, are supposed to be pretty good teams. Both losing broadcast talked about they can't keep up. Leafs couldn't keep up with the Canes. Boston couldn't keep up. Couldn't keep up. 
was the KLM line dancing around and did it, all this stuff. I, I don't know a lot of teams are paying, playing at a faster pace and executing than the Carolina Hurricanes. Not just eight and all. They could have lost here and lost there. The way they move, the way they control is, is entertaining, fun to watch, oh, and there's a lot of skill, a lot of skill. The surge. Got a the lot surge. of surge. The Kaniacs, love it. Uh, I'll tell you why. Steve, it's a great example. So number one, just back to Rod Brindamore. So, you know, there has been a, a so-called traditional path to coaching, but there's also exceptions to the rule. And Rod is clearly an exception to the rule. I mean, as a player, he was a, he was a real prominent difference maker in the game in, in his own way. He was an assistant coach for a lot of years. And yeah, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, moving into the head coaching position, right? You start to go, okay, can he do it? Can he not do it? But they gave him an opportunity. And, and, and here's how I feel about situations like that. It, it's not about had he been a head coach. It was about, okay, we're going to make him the head coach. Now let's give him support. And, and let's be patient with him as he grows into this position. Because if he grows into it and he becomes what we think he can, we got a really good coach here. And, and keep in mind, we talk about dollars and everything and too much of the time. Rod Brindamore agreed to the contract. No, nobody said, Rod, take this or else. He, he agreed to the contract. So let's not make a big – and when you have no head coaching experience, maybe that's where you got to start there too. And then he, 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 he proved himself. So to me, there's no problem with Rod Brindamore. And so, again, but if you want to put somebody without the head coaching experience, just understand we're moving with them and we're going to be patient with them and we're going to help them get better. And if you ever hear something, if you ever hear somebody make a comment about Rod Brindamore that he doesn't want to get better, just doubt the person making that comment because Rod wants to get better all the time everywhere. That's just his, that's just his character and his, and his personal makeup. Now I'm going to go into my rant. Oh, I didn't know there was a rant. I love rants. I live for rants. This rant is brought to you by Craig Button. Go ahead, Craig. I thought it was going to be brought to you by Steve Cooley, Stevie K. They, they were in the conference finals two years in a row. They finished second in the division last year. What, people weren't watching the Carolina Hurricanes? Oh, you turned on your TV? They happened to be playing somebody? Like, Carolina Hurricanes are a darn good team. I had question marks about their team coming into this year for this reason. Losing Dougie Hamilton, losing Brock McGinn, losing Warren Fogle. They, but they made these decisions based on, okay, we got some younger players, we, we, and they spend to the cap. Like, this isn't a team that's not – they spend to the cap, uh, the Carolina Hurricane. But they made some decisions about where they wanted to move and including bringing in Freddie Anderson, right? You have to believe that the reason they traded Nadalkovich is because they had their eyes totally on Freddie Anderson. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, you have to believe that. Yeah, right? yeah. Freddie Anderson has been a good, a really good NHL goaltender. We can talk about October. We can talk about some of the some of the uh, the the shortcomings come playoff time. But but he's been a really good NHL goaltender. So that's where it's at. But Rod Brindamore, and you watch the way they play, and you watch the way they pressure. Their power play is outstanding. I'm I'm going to be doing something later this week on the Carolina Hurricanes power play. It's one of the best in the league. It's dangerous. I mean. They would have won the game on Sunday versus Arizona 10-1 if it wasn't for Arizona's goaltender of Amelka. Uh, they play hard. They play fast. They play smart. They play on their toes. Everything. But guess what, Steve? This is the fourth year they've been doing this under Rod Brindamore, not the first. So what I'm going to tell you is, hey, people, pay attention to the good teams in the league. The Hurricanes are one of them. 
I think people have paid attention. I think sometimes people need to be hit over the head. Uh, you know what I loved about yesterday? And we got lots to talk about, but uh, Brett Pesci, who's normally not on the power play and watching the broadcasts, they talked about him last being on in, in, in college. Uh, he let a good shot go. And because Nino Niederreiter and some other things, I see your buddy, Seth Jarvis, another 0-2, a 2020 Seth Jarvis from the Lemieux spot. Back to Pesci, a little give and go, and they score. First NHL point, you see him. He could have scored earlier in the game. And uh, how can you be that good, that young? And here I am looking at all these 2021s and 2020 picks. And I'm saying, Tom Rennie's going, oh, my goodness. Who's going to be? Are they all going to be in the NHL? Who's going to be left at the World Juniors? Craig, some of these kids are so good so early. It is mind-boggling. There is Seth Jarvis on the ice as a kid. His first NHL game. Yeah. And uh, his first NHL game. And, he looked great. Well, so, but, okay, well, you, yeah, he did look great. He, I, I don't know how he didn't score his first NHL goal. He had the open net and it went off the leg of the, of the Arizona defenseman. And, I mean, he, he made plays. Listen, I've watched Seth play for a long time, and Seth is a is a is a crafty, smart player. And 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 the comparison I've used for him in the past, and I still will, is Braden Point. So uh, you know, uh, you're talking about a player. I mean, the teams weren't going to make the mistake they made on Braden Point by underestimating the size. I mean, Seth was the 13th overall pick, and you know that's his first nhl game his parents got down his brother got down which which was a wonderful thing those are the things we should be celebrating uh all the time and and you know really look the kids dreams the young players that finally get the taste of their first game parents watching it such Jarvis, good player and you're right hockey canada you know they're sitting there uh wondering what you know what's uh, what's going to happen but uh this is a good team it's a really 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 good team really good team couple of bits and bites before we go on to the loser or losers. Um, we mentioned Tortorella earlier. Now, I understand why he would lie. Do you think? He- no, you don't. He wouldn't lie. He might not just be able to reveal. Let's, okay. not call, let's not say he's lying. Let's just say he can't reveal potential details of future endeavors. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I've been told by employer once, if anybody finds out, you're not hired. So if somebody asked me and they did, I lied. <laughs> I didn't reveal. And I was scared, so I didn't reveal. So um, the way he said it and his emotion and his face and the inflection in his voice, he misses coaching already. And we're, you know, beginning of November. Is there a natural fit there? Is it Andrew Burnett in Florida? So let's talk about We talk about Daryl. Great stuff. Brennamore and the Canes. So what about John? Or, or will there have to be another falter? Some people have said if the, if the Leafs didn't beat Chicago and Detroit, you know, I, I don't know if it was going to happen. Probably not. Uh, you're rolling your eyes. For those who can't see Craig, he's rolling his eyes. Tortorella to come in to save the Maple Leafs. Uh, pause on that, I guess. Or John coaching somewhere else. Florida seems like a good fit if he and Mr. Zito do want to talk, Craig. I just want to, The reason I'm rolling my eyes is because every time I hear about this if, 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 I'm, I'm reminded of Bill Waters, longtime agent, former GM, of, assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, boy, wouldn't life be a dream, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, We'd all have a Merry Christmas, I think. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you that, okay? So, like, I don't, that's why I'm rolling my eyes, right? So, ifs. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't have any problems, Steve. People just wanted to create problems. They had no problems. They had a bad week. You know what? Like if, if, if we wanted to put everything into a bad week and now make rash judgments on it, ridiculous. Full stop. I'm not talking about that anymore. Uh, 
Now we'll, and their game Saturday night. Oh boy, did they dominate that baby? They own the game, and they're they're just fine. Uh, what I will say about this is is uh, you know Andrew Burnett, no head coaching experience. Obviously, Joel Crenville brought him in there to be the assistant coach. This is a team that has uh, got lots of uh, cup aspirations, and, and deservedly so they should. John Tortorella, as you point out, is passion. He's a passionate coach. He loves coaching. Coaches, coaches, and I've been around a lot of coaches and former coaches. They never stop coaching. They might not be behind a bench, but they're coaching. That's their mindset. And can John go and help somebody? There's no question John can go and help somebody. Are there connections to the Florida Panthers? Oh, yeah, there's definitely connections to the Florida Panthers. And, you know, you're looking like you, you have somebody that's in there on an interim basis. Certainly, certainly it would appear from outside. Boy, does that look like a nice fit for John Tortorella and the Florida Panthers. We'll wait and see. But I don't think there's any question that, you know, when, when teams are faltering and you're looking at uh, – uh, performance and you're trying to think about people that could come in and affect performance in a positive way. John Tortorella's name is going to be prominently right at the top or very near the top. I want to get into Arizona in just a second. We have a few bits and bites items. Could the Jack Eichel thing end this week, this month, there's rumblings about the neck replacement surgery next week, three months, then you hit the Olympic break, which you probably wouldn't go to. Recovers in February and suits up for the blanks on March the 1st. Do we have that time frame or a tentative deal, right? Tentative deal with Vegas. He has the surgery. The doctors say he's good to go and then play ball. Is, is this close to happening? Oh, well, well I, I heard it was close to happening at the draft. I heard it was close <laughs> to happening before training camp. I heard it was close to happening at the beginning of the season. Define close to happen, right? Is it going to happen? Oh, I'm going to go right out on a limb and say it's going to happen. I have no idea when it's going to happen. So we all talk about, you want to talk about Vegas. You want, what, what teams do you think might have the best young players for the Buffalo Sabres right now? Well, Anaheim, L.A., you name two, there could be more than that. So right. why? So I don't think the LA Kings, like if I'm Rob Blake, I'm not interested in Jack. Eichel. I'm not interested. Well, they have to know there and Kopitar. So how, well, we'll I'm not interested. Play. I just said, I'm, I'm not Rob Blake. I said, if I was the manager there, right. I'm not interested in Jack. Okay. Eichel. Okay. And like has nothing to do with him as a player. I got Kopitar. I just signed to know I have Byfield. I have Kupari. I'm not interested. I don't, I don't want Jack Eichel. That is not a knock on Jack Eichel, the player. But there's a number of teams that are that, that are out there that have some really good young prospects in their system that could be just as interested. And the Buffalo Sabres could be interested in their young players. So I don't, I, I don't think it's about him necessarily having to play in March. What about next year? Does he want that? Ooh. A year? I go a year Ooh. off? Well, well, well yeah, I, I didn't say about a year off for Jack Eichel. I said they might not be interested in having him come back in March. They might be looking down the road in the future. Oh, oh. that was my point. Maybe is I he... didn't make it clear. So the bottom line is the Buffalo Sabres have to make the best deal for themselves. End of story. Like, and you, you, you can look at teams and go, okay, they have this, they have that. You can talk about uh, conditional trades and everything that goes with it. At the end of the day is, the Buffalo Sabres have one responsibility, make the best deal they can for themselves. In our uh, lifetime, let's say starting in 
well, you can start it whenever, but I say expansion into 1970. Is Arizona going to be up with the 74, 75 capitals, the early sharks, sends jets? Is, is it going to be that bad? Like they played pretty good yesterday and they got some goaltending from no, your they buddy Vermelli. They, they didn't play good yesterday, Steve. They got, they got, they got dominated. They got obliterated. The but they were, they were up early and they, 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 they had a chance to take a lead into this third period. Listen, they lost two one. Don't be fooled by the score. They got obliterated. They, it was, it wasn't even close. The, the Carolina hurricanes that carried that game in every way possible. Now that being said, I said at the beginning of the year, they wouldn't win 15 games. No chance, no chance, no chance. 15 games are, they're winless now. Uh, 10, 12 is going to be a stretch. I'm telling you, 10, 12 is going to be a stretch. So 15 games. I mean, when you go back and look at the worst records since the lockout of 0405, it was the Colorado Avalanche in the 16, 17 season. 48 points. Was it? I, I, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, they were the worst until the Red Wings came along or the Buffalo Sabres. Sorry. Was it Buffalo or Detroit? Anyway, the, the Arizona Coyotes are right there. Like that. The, the, I, I read something earlier in the year that said they would get 65 points. I said, this has got to be the dumbest thing I've ever read. 65 points means 32 wins, 32 wins for this team. Give me a break. Not a chance. So this Not is actually chance. the plan. This is Bill Armstrong's plan. This is actually That's going good. perfectly. And, 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 well, perfectly in what way, Steve? So when you start drafting in the 22 draft that the players turn out, you know, by 25, 26, you have a competitive team. What a plan. I don't buy the, I, I, the, the tanking plan. I think it's garbage. I think it's garbage. Professional sports and you're tanking garbage. So what would you do about it? If you're in Gary and Bill's chair, what do you well, say? It's not up to Bill and Gary don't run the Arizona Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes run it. So let's stop putting the blame here on, on or responsibility on Bill and Gary. Well, hey, hey, hey. Gary I didn't Gary say I was. Bettman, I'm, a, I'm Gary, asking if they could do me, anything. No, no, no. What, what, what can they do? Gary Bettman's done everything he can to help the Arizona Coyotes. Everything. This isn't about Gary or Bill or the NHL. It's about the Arizona Coyotes helping themselves. I think it's garbage. I don't buy into tanking. I think it's garbage. Well, I, I buy into rebuilding. I think it's not a, tanking, Steve. Well, didn't the Leafs tank for Austin Matthews in a way? A competitive tank? They just hit it better, I think. They had the makeup on we the can, pig. We, we, they traded, just look at the players Arizona traded. This is after rebuilding with young players. I don't, I hate it. You know what? The tank idea, the Buffalo Sabres did it. Where, where, where's it got the Buffalo Sabres in all their mentality of tanking? Where's it got them? 8,000 people a night. There you go. Yep. You just answered my question. I think we can move on. Dates in hockey. People remember September 28th, uh, January 24th was Bossy, uh, February 7th, Sittler, April 29th, uh, Barilco, May 24th, Islanders, June 14th, Rangers, November 1st, Jacques Plante. Jacques Plante in the game at MSG, putting on the mask. Clint Benedict, 29 years earlier, had facial protection. Uh, a famous day in hockey history, November 1st. Every time I see it, it reminds me. And I'm sure Toe Blake thought, this is stupid. This is going to, what's he doing? You can't see. It'll never work. Uh, kudos to people. At the time, people would have thought, what is, this will never make it. So to the pioneers and the uh, the guys that make special things happen, Jacques Plante, my friend. And not to forget Clint Benedict to wear facial protection some 29 years earlier. We're going to finish on that note. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of time to talk about other topics that we had on the docket. 
we've got to the most important things. But as we finish on this episode 10 of the, of the, of the cool button uncensored hockey podcast, you know, it took a lot of courage for Jacques Plante to wear a mask and to say, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, if you talk about the great Toe Blake and certainly Jacques Plante would have been questioned and he was, but he said, I need to do this. And as we finish here, just keep that in mind, the courage that Kyle Beach had, the courage that Kyle Beach, who was 20 years old and inexperienced in the world in a lot of ways, the hockey world, did everything right. And all I ask is that, you know, for everybody, anybody else in, in any walk where you've been abused, sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, you know what, there's help there for you. And, and you know what, it's hard to be secure in your own courage, but there's a lot of examples. And that's all we ask and reach out and do it. And for Steve Coolius, that'll do it for episode 10 on the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. Love you, brother. <laughs>